We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. You are not listening to Jonathan Macri. You're not listening to Andrew Claudio. You are with the one and only Casual Friday crew. I go by the name of Mensa. To my right is Sean and my guy XJ. We are here to do... What do we want to call this? Um, a summation of this season's Casual Friday. A little bit of off-season chatter. And of course, what we love to do. Um, a little bit of betting and sweating at the end. So... You guys are in for a great show. I just want to throw it to Sean and ask you, my brother, how are the vibes? The vibes, the vibes are relaxing. Um, the season's over. We've went through our five stages of grief. And now we, we the vibe should be relaxing to figure, you know, in the term, in the sense of we can look back on the season. It was a really good season. It was better than expected for most of us. And now we're going to relax and then recharge for the for the rat race to start again in two months. But for now, the vibes are relaxing. I like that. The vibes are relaxing. Well, depending on where you are, um, if you live on Nick's Twitter, which nobody should. And if you do, please seek help. But if you live on Nick's Twitter, the vibes are not relaxing. So um, XJ, how are the vibes for you, my brother? Uh, you know, the vibes are not relaxed for me either. The vibes are hot because... Guys, I've never been so sad to live in Florida before. Not only did I miss the wedding of one GMAC, I'm also dealing with 110 degrees heat index every single day. On top of that, thunderstorms every single day. On top of that, intense thunderstorms that come out of nowhere with like actual golf ball size hail. You know how you hear about that? Like, oh, golf ball size. It's like literal like golf balls dropping out of the sky. And then 10 minutes later, it's 110 degrees outside. So I'm pretty sad. <laughs> I, I, do, I do not love Florida in the summer. <laughs> so the vibes are hot for me. I want to fast forward to October and get preseason started. But you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hang in there for a couple months. Also, here is what I'll show you guys. This is... It is 7 o'clock. It is... I'm showing my phone. It, it is 97 degrees right now at, at 7 o'clock down here in... <laughs> in hot Florida. So yeah, that's how the vibes are on my end. 
Yeah, those that's that's sweltering. That's not fun at all. Um, I'm sorry to hear about the the confusing weather that exists in Florida summers, but I'm happy um, for one GMAC. Andrew Claudio did tie the knot. Um, if you're listening to this, um, a couple of the KFS guys got together, not all of us, but a good amount of us got together to celebrate Andrew Claudio and his beautiful wife, Rosina's wedding. Uh, so we just want to say mazel tov to you guys. And please um, don't take too much time to work, Andrew. Please go be a married man and enjoy it. It's a beautiful thing. Um, I know because I am celebrating my second anniversary on Monday. Um, well, July 17th when you guys are, well, yeah, Monday when you guys hey, are. Hey, congratulations. So I know that Congrats, marriage, thank you, thank you. I know that marriage is a beautiful thing and Andrew, you're doing the right thing and continue to just stay together is what I would say. So with that being said, um, the Knicks did some things, and the Knicks mostly didn't do some things uh, this offseason so far. Um, just to do a quick recap, the New York Knicks signed Dante DiVincenzo, and sadly, they traded Obi Toppin for a used bag of chips, otherwise known as um, two second-round picks, I believe, in 2027 or in 2028 that are not likely to um, convey in the top 40. Um, so being the uh, the the major... Obi Topping guy of Nick's film school. I want to throw this one to XJ and just ask him, XJ, how do you feel about the the DiVincenzo signing and also the Obi Topping um trade? Yeah, I I like the DiVincenzo move. Like I I'm not gonna have anything really original to say about it that hasn't been said. I mean, he has a great skill set, fits perfectly with New York in terms of being a great catch and shoot three point shooter. Um, fits perfectly into the dyna- the dynamic with the Villanova boys. Like I don't, you know, it's it is what it is. It's a good signing. He fits in really well. Uh, you know, a little bit concerned about what that does with um, some of our other guards and and kind of twos and threes that we have on the team. But you know, it, it shouldn't be a big deal. They should be able to make it work. There will be injuries. Um, they should be able to hang out for a while until it's time to make a big trade. This offseason wasn't it um, on the Obi thing. You know, I'm sad about Obi. Uh, it's uh, it's gut wrenching to see him just like in summer league, sitting with you know Miles Turner and the crew on the on, on the sidelines. There, it's like ugh, it's just like not a sight you want to see. But at the same time, you know, it was an absolutely necessary move, um, mostly for him. To be honest, like I think it benefits him much more than it does the team. So I I appreciate them helping him out because if you think about it, it would have actually been for the best for the Knicks to just keep him on the bench until the deadline, like keep him in bubble wrap. If Julius gets hurt at any point, you got Obi to step up. Otherwise he gets zero minutes a game and he just kind of sits there and waits Um, because I think he has more value to the Knicks as insurance than he does as two late second rounders, you know? So uh, to be honest, I think that they made the move for him. Like I think they worked with him to, to, to make the move worked with, you know, obviously CAA ties, um, you know, to make that move for him. So I, I think it's good for him. Um, I'm happy about it from that end. Obviously sad that it, it couldn't work out in the long run. Um, and I don't think it, it could given, you know, if, if he's not going to play with Randall, there's just no chance for it to work out uh, here in New York. So I think it had to happen. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. No, no, no major thoughts on it. I feel pretty neutrally towards the offseason so far with regards to the moves that they did make. Um, I do want to say my kind of like larger off season takeaway is that 
what I came away feeling is just that it's not a buyer's market right now. Um, and the Knicks are patiently waiting until it is a buyer's market. Like the deals that we've seen so far, uh, they do seem to seem better for for buyers than they have in the past. Like, you know, but when we really look at them, when we really scrutinize the deals, um, the discount trades that we're seeing are for guys who come with a lot of risk and from teams who are trying to dump overpaid players who may not even be that good. So for the for example, the, the deals that we've seen that look good for buyers have been um, when teams have bought low on like John Collins, Jordan Poole, Chris Stops, Beal. Um, but there are reasons why each of those deals happen based on the different types of leverage that those players had and why it made sense for the sellers. We're still not seeing like legit stars being moved. And even the, the ones that we know are going to happen at some point, like Dame and Harden, those haven't happened yet. So... You know the Knicks were looking for a legit star. You know, uh, uh, maybe lowercase star, even a guy like Paul George, Levine, if you believe reports, Harden. Um, but we're not seeing those guys get discounted yet. So the Knicks are are staying patient, which makes a lot of sense. Um, so you know, I just think that it's not a buyer's market, and that's like my overall takeaway for the Knicks offseason so far. Very nuanced takeaways, as always, XJ. We appreciate it, but I'm not going to let you get away without telling me. Um, if you think Obi Toppin is going to start in Indiana and if you think that he's going to, with Tyrese Halliburton, who is a fellow CAA client, I don't think we should forget about that. Um, do you think Obi Toppin is going to do well in his next destination? I mean, I think it's a perfect spot for him. Um, they are up-tempo no matter what. Is he going to start? I don't feel super... Con- I'm, to be honest, I think it's like... I'd put it at like 55-45 he starts. I can ima- imagine... Uh, their draft pick, Jarris Walker, starting right away. I could imagine the Indiana even going out and getting another four that might start over Obi. I don't. I wouldn't be shocked to see that. Um, I think he's going to get twenty five minutes a game. I think he's going to get somewhere around that twenty to twenty five. I think that's going to be enough in terms of what they want to do. Get up and down the court. Halliburton's going to be flying up and down the court. I mean, I think I heard him on the uh, Paul George podcast the other day. Um, saying that like the only thing he hates is just like walking it up the court. Like he always wants to run. Like he can't tolerate walking it up the court. So I mean, I think that bodes really well for Obi. I think the Obi Halliburton minutes are going to be great. And we're going to see the explosiveness. We're going to see his talents and his skill set be used um, to the best of its ability. So I think he's going to thrive there, whether he starts or not. I think he's going to get 25 minutes a game around thereabouts. Um, and we're going to see enough from him to like know that he is an excellent and impactful player. Um, and if it doesn't work out for him this year in Indiana, you know, I, 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 I may start to question whether my eval on him is accurate. Like I, I would go so far as to say like that is the spot for him with a stretch five and a, and a ridiculous running point guard who just wants to throw lobs. Like I just see it working. And um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to watching Indiana for sure. But uh, I, I, I'm not sure that he's going to start. But I think, like I said, I give it like a 55-45. Yeah, I mean, just to piggyback on what you're saying, the one place that I did not want Obi Toppin to end up was the Indiana Pacers because I he's it's just a perfect fit for him. He's going to have the space to like pick and roll. He's going to be able to slip screens if he wants to get to the basket. Tyrese Halliburton is always looking for him, you know, pass the ball. He's a smart ball mover. Um, I'm not necessarily a Halliburton believer, but do I do believe that if 
that Halliburton is the point guard for Obi. Absolutely. So um, I'm saying all that to say that I wish Obi nothing but the best. Um, I hate that it had to be with the Indiana Pacers because they are one of a very long list of um, Knicks ops. Uh, so I'm not happy that he's with the Pacers, but um, Obi Toppin, a New York kid from Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm just happy to see that he is in a place that I believe will be able to utilize him more than the New York Knicks will. So with that, Sean, let's get you in here. How do you feel about the New York Knicks offseason so far? And um, we spoke a lot about um, Obi Toppin. So without making the Pacers film school, um, how do you feel about where the the Knicks rotation currently lies with the DiVincenzo addition and the Obi Toppin um, exit? I mean, we needed shooting and it was the worst kept secret in the world that DiVincenzo was going to be a target for this team. Look at the ties, the people on the team, the money that will be av- the money that he'd be looking for. Um, make it, it, and it was abundantly clear that you know he wasn't going to be in Golden State long term. So, you know, I'm fine with that move. Uh, the OB move. I mean, I said it on, I said it on the timeline. I said it in spaces. It's a failure of the organization. Um, no bones about it. And shout, I'm going to give him a shout out. Shout out to my man, Zach Rosenberg, who is one of the most miserable Knicks fans I've ever met in my life. And I love him to death. But he was like, you know, Obi sucks. And I'm like, because I said, like, he got moved. And it's not because he sucks. He was like, he sucks. And I'm like, OK, this is the hyperbolic hyperbolic. It's like, you know, it's like everyone's great or they're terrible. Um, I said, well, if he sucks then that means the Knicks drafted a bust with the eighth pick, which is still a failure of the organization. So either way, if you trade your number, if you trade your number eight pick three years later for two second round picks, you failed, period, end of story. doesn't matter how good you think he's going to be. It doesn't matter how bad you thought he was with us. You failed. But with that being said, he's gone. We knew it was coming. Is it's it's over with. Um, in terms of the offseason in general, I mean, my one big takeaway is that we have a really good front office in the sense that well, relative to prior Knicks front offices, because if certain administrations would have already have cast their chips in for insert star that's not going to help you win a title here. There was, I was just listening to uh, the, the low post. They had an Ian Begley and they were throwing out the names of people who are available, the stars that are available and, you know, with the next kicking the tires on one of them. And, you know, I know past administrations, including the immediate past administrations, the immediate past administration would have pulled the trigger on one of these guys by now and said, Hey, look, we got a star. Welcome to 49 wins for the rest of your life. And we haven't done that. Uh, the Knicks, this front office has been patient. Some say to a fault and I can see where they're coming from. Um, I've been the one that says that I've been the person that says that they value value almost above everything. And that gets them in situations where, you know, I'm, they probably could have got more for Obi at the deadline, but they they had a price and they couldn't and they didn't, no one was meeting it. 
and then the price only went down. So um, my big takeaway is that this front office is playing the long game as much as they can. Making the playoffs and winning a playoff series helps them play the long game a little bit more. Um, And I am exercising. I'm glad that this front office is exercising patience instead of just um, falling for some shiny object that, you know, will make us better, but will lock us in and make us be truly stuck and not the ability to get any better, unlike certain other teams in our in our conference and outside of our conference, who I will not mention. Really quickly, um, <clears throat> gun to your head, who's the backup power forward game one? Joshua Hart. I personally think it's going to be RJ, just because um, the roles are between like going from. RJ to Julie, like going from Julius to RJ, as far as like uh, usage and like essentially the way they want to score is a little less um, drastic because like Josh Hart is more like to me, um, he's like a gear shift, you know, like you're, you, you're throwing your fastball <clears throat> and now you're going to your curve. Now you're going to your second, your third pitch. The Knicks might like that. I, but I do think that using Josh Hart's rebounding at the three, as opposed to at the four, and this is all just semantics because I think they're going to share the floor together. I think when Julius, when Julius comes off the floor, it's going to be Hart and RJ at the three and four. Um, but yeah, no, I do think that we're going to see more from, RJ at, at the four, because I mean, the rotation is, you know, like with the DiVincenzo thing, the rotation is kind of not questionable, but it's a good problem to have a lot of good basketball players. Right. And that's where the Knicks are right now. The Knicks have a lot of good basketball players in their rotation. Um, if you want to sort by EPM or whatever your favorite all in one metric is, chances are RJ Barrett is the worst player in the current rotation right now. Um, not including Deuce McBride. So that's a really good place to be as a basketball team if R.J. Barrett is your worst player, um, according to the all-in-one metrics. You guys know how I feel about R.J. Barrett, but we have to be fair and we have to, you know, honor what the data says. So I think that just to, I guess, answer my own question, um, the OB stuff, like I I led the witness earlier when I said that we traded him for a used bag of potato chips. I think that just like, just like XJ said, we're really aligned on the fact that the Knicks would have been better served with Obi Toppin on the roster, as opposed to trading him for picks that will likely turn into um, skid greasers in on some future trade at some point. Um, I would have preferred that the New York Knicks would have held on to him at least through the deadline if that's all we could have gotten for him. But that's me looking at the situation as a fan of this basketball team. What's best for Obi Toppin was for him to get out of New York because he was never going to start behind Julius Randle. Like you, Sean, I agree that it's a failure on the organization and it's not, we can say that it's a failure on the organization and also understand that it's not a damning indictment. The New York Knicks have gotten a lot of the other stuff right, including in that same draft, taking Emmanuel quickly with the 25th pick, drafting Quentin Grimes, drafting Mitchell Robinson, 38th overall. The Knicks are able to still find value and have value on this roster from the draft. It's just those higher picks, you know, like you don't want to miss on that. It's kind of like you get away with hitting 
you know, the single and the double and later round and later rounds of the draft, um, later picks in the draft, I should say. But if you're not hitting, you know, like that, if you're not getting those extra base hits at the top of the draft, then you're scoring less runs, you know, like missing. It's like, OK, let's say Obi Toppin was the leadoff hitter and Obi Toppin was a strikeout. You, you have Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly is a double. Quentin Grimes is currently a single. And Emmanuel Quickly gets ho- held on third, right? What if we hit a double and, and Obi Toppin was already on base? We're scoring more runs. We're getting more value from the assets that we have. And I guess to, to tie the analogy up, the assets that we're talking about in are at-bats for baseball and in the draft is, you know, draft picks. So with with finite resources in a capped league, you don't want to miss on the eighth overall pick, which was our last lottery pick. We have not been in the lottery since then. So missing on Obi Toppin was, I think it was easy to say it's a failure. Um, But because this front office has been not lights out, but they've been pretty good. We are in a situation where we are surviving, you know, missing on, on top 10 draft picks. XJ, I think you have something to say. What do you want? Yeah. To say? Uh, yeah. I wanted to follow up on that. Cause I think that's a good analogy. And, and the one thing I wanted to say is that to miss on a high draft pick, um, all teams do. And I think it's okay. I don't think you can miss on a high draft pick and it be your fault. Like, like I don't think you can miss on a high draft pick because not because like the guy was just like a bust just because you didn't give him the adequate minutes or role uh or deployment to maximize his skills like that I think is why it's more of an issue to me if they just picked I don't know who was I I don't have the draft in front of me if they just picked the guy who like wasn't really that good and they just misevaluated him to me, that's not Killian as Hayes. much of an issue. Yeah, uh, if they pick and I and I like Killian Hayes coming in. I I thought he might be okay, but and he might still be okay. But I I just think if they picked him and he just didn't perform well, it's just like okay, we gave him twenty eight minutes a night. We gave him some usage. We put him in the kinds of we gave him the things that he likes to do. Maybe he likes to run pick and rolls. Maybe he he likes to have the ball and make decisions. We deployed him in that way, and it just didn't work out. You know, that's one thing to just have the guy and be like, yeah, we gave him 13 minutes a game. He never got to be deployed in the way that we think he'd be most effective. He never, we never got to really make the most of his, his high end skills, athleticism, transition, um, quick instincts, high motor on offense. We never really used those things to max to their maximum capabilities. And that's why you missed. That's where it becomes an issue for me. So I just wanted to add that, but I agree. I agree with your, your assessment and your analogy, Mensa. And real quick, Mintz, I will say, um, we actually were in the lottery after that. We just decided to opt out of making a pick. <laughs> and when we said, yes, <laughs> totally decided, forgot. We opted, we opted <laughs> out of the lottery. We're like, we don't need this. <laughs> we have, we need Isaiah Hardenstein. Shout out to I mean, I well, we, we did turn that lottery pick into, you know, Jalen Brunson and Isaiah Hardenstein, which is, which qualifies as an extra base hit. Depending on how you look at Jalen Brunson, to me, that's a home run with two on the board already. So I think that to me is a three run home run. Um, I'm very happy with uh, Jalen Brunson. I don't regret not taking a draft pick in 2022. But um, we spent so much time talking about Obi Toppin. I do want to quickly get you guys' thoughts on um, what DiVincenzo could add to this um, to this team because I do think that you know Dante DiVincenzo again, like you were saying, Sean is you know one of the Villanova Bros. Um, we call him White Dante, which is hilarious because he's already white. But if you know, you know. Um, I'm pretty happy to see him on the team because more two way players, the better. You know, um, 
after the and this is one thing that like I don't like to use it because it, it's kind of um Hawks fancy um circa 2021 but after the Josh Hart trade the New York Knicks were what third best record in the NBA and I do understand there's a lot of like lightning in the bottle um theory behind that but also like if you pay attention to like the stats Jalen Brunson could be better just by changing his shot diet, right? So there's growth for him still. Um, the team is getting used to, you know, um, a Josh Hart who was added, you know, mid-season in the middle of R.J. Barrett's season from hell. So maybe R.J. Barrett comes back and has a rebound of a season. Maybe Emmanuel quickly tr- continues to trend forward. Maybe Quentin Grimes continue to trend forward. And this is a team that we saw play very well when a playoff series finished the um, the playoffs with a with an above 500 record. What that means, I don't know what that means, but the Knicks were 6-5 and five in the playoffs before we got eliminated. So that kind of matters to me. I do like this team a lot. I like what Dante DiVincenzo um adds as far as like shooting because he's that one piece that you know you don't you're now no longer relying on Quentin Grimes to take you know in a a ridiculous volume like he's your only three-point shooter so basically most all of his shots have to come from three you're adding DiVincenzo now you have DiVincenzo on one side and you have um Grimes on the other side and I think it was um DJ Zulo who pointed this out that they're both like from those corners, from the left and right corners, they're both like 40 plus percent shooters. So that's just more spacing for name your guy. You know, I'm really happy with with the DiVincenzo signing. I just wanted to, you know, XJ, I wanted to at least hear um, your thoughts on it a little more um, expanded. Yeah, no, I, I I mean, I think you're right. I agree with everything you're saying. I, I definitely like the three and D nature of DiVincenzo. I think he is a very good on ball defender. I think he he's solid off ball. Um, the shooting is what it's going to come down to. I I I I believe in his shooting. I believe in his shooting. I want to say that. Um, do I think he's going to get the kinds of shots that he got in Golden State? I mean, nowhere in the NBA will you get the kind of shots that you get in Golden State. <laughs> so um, he's not going to get that same shot diet of just like open and wide open threes. Um, and I know he played a plenty of minutes without Curry on the court, so it's not like all down to like. Curry was giving him insane gravity to shoot open threes. But at the same time, you know, that ball movement, um, you know, getting a feel for the ball, getting in a good rhythm, um, the passing, the open shots, you're not going to get all that stuff in New York. So I do expect his three-point shooting to come down a little bit. I still think he'll be a solid 37%, 38% three-point shooter, which will be excellent for us. Um, And exactly the kind of thing that we needed. It's also really hard for me to get as excited about DiVincenzo just because I think they added DiVincenzo who is probably the worst of all the players that they have that play the two or the three besides um, Deuce McBride Uh, because I, you know, guys that play the two or the three, the Knicks have IQ, Grimes, RJ, Hart, DiVincenzo, Deuce, like Deuce be probably easily the worst of all those guys. And then I think DiVincenzo is the next worst of all those guys. Yes, his fit is perfect. And so fit, there's a lot to say about fit, especially in a team um, that has a guy like Brunson that likes to isolate, that needs more space on the court. Um, And so I think that makes him more valuable to the Knicks than just his raw like impact. Um, And impact can change from team to team. You know, Um, a lot of the impact metrics do try to isolate for that, for for the the difference in in team to team um, impact, but they can't isolate for all of that, of course. So I do think that Dante is more valuable to the Knicks than he would be to a lot of other teams. But at the same time, is he more valuable to the Knicks than quickly will be? 
No. Is he more valuable to the Knicks than Grimes will be? No. Is he more valuable to the Knicks than RJ and Hart will be? No. So, you know, I still think he's the worst out of those guys. So it's, I can only get so excited about bringing in a guy who's worse than the four other people that you have playing those positions. So that's kind of like my drawback while I'm still excited for everything that he has to offer. I'm not like over the moon about it because it's like, there's no real the upgrade comes from the skill set, but there's no upgrade in terms of overall talent. I guess is, is my perspective. I think that's a very interesting point that um, the New York Knicks with Dante Givincenzo have maybe added um, of the the wing rotation, maybe have added a player who is not better than any of their current wings. Um, personally, <clears throat> I fully agree with you on that, but. It gets interesting and it gets wheezy when you're talking about DiVincenzo versus specifically R.J. Barrett because the New York Knicks, between Brunson and Julius Randle, need somebody who's going to be able to catch and shoot at an efficient rate. And um, I think um, Warriors writer Anthony Slater, he had a piece in The Athletic today and um, NBA, um, New York basketball on Twitter, they kind of like... Um, shortened it out just to get to some like relevant details. And what he writes is that um, it says DiVincenzo was, was rusty returning from a bad ankle injury was proven correct. Made 39.7% of his threes as a warrior. Again, like you said, XJ, you're not never again in life. Will anybody get the spacing that comes from playing with a savant and Draymond Green? And Oh, I forgot Stephen Curry. Like you're just never going to get that spacing ever again. You're never going to get guys who find you in that rhythm ever again. So we don't, we, to expect DiVincenzo to play that well again, let's let's be real. It's probably not going to happen. But um, and it's and and the point that I want to lean on is that he says nearly all of his threes at least had four feet of space. <laughs> nearly all, at least four feet of space. I did that's, not catch that. That's that's a big. I didn't even realize huge. that. Yeah, that's that's gigantic. But um. So it, again, it lends to your point that maybe he he's not like out of that Warriors ecosystem. He may not, you know, be the same player. And I know Jeremy has touched on this a couple of times, but um, he said he does have a quick trigger and made 42% of his catch and shoots, which is an excellent thing to put next to Brunson and specifically Julius Randle, um, the quick trigger, because we all know Julius Randle likes to hold that ball <laughs> and make the pass maybe a, a, a tick too late, but I'll, I'll let him live today. Um, and he said he, so the writer says that he bets that, um, DiVincenzo may hit around 37% of his threes. And if we go with that, because if we go with 37%, that's still better than what RJ Barrett shot last year. So um, I think fit wise between those two guys, you could argue that DiVincenzo is a better fit. But as far as talent goes, you know where I stand on that. I think RJ Barrett has a ton of talent. I think we saw it in the playoffs. And I think this, I think the sky is only up for him. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 
866-610-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. Leaning on RJ Barrett really quickly, I do want to like shift a little bit because the New York Knicks, as far as their approach to the offseason, wasn't aggressive, but it was thorough. When you heard every single report, you heard that the New York Knicks checked in on Paul George. You saw the trade, which I think was a nothing bag because they when they when they reported it, they said it was three first round picks to, like which first round picks matters a lot. It could have been three unprotected New York Knicks future first round picks, or it could have been the Detroit pick, the Washington pick, the Milwaukee pick, the Dallas pick. It could have been any combination of those things. So that kind of made it a nothing burger other than um, just to to recap it for people who did not see the trade. Um I forget who reported it, but they were saying that the Clippers, when the New York Knicks called for Paul George, said they wanted um, Evan Fournier, matching salary, RJ Barrett, good young player, Quentin Grimes, good young player, and three first round picks. Quentin Grimes is the deal breaker for me. Um, I would not be happy moving RJ Barrett, but I would at least understand putting RJ Barrett and Fournier together to make the salary and then greasing this kid to with some first round picks. But Quentin Grimes, you don't make that trade. So the Knicks were thorough. They made the call. They didn't like what they heard, and they moved on. James Harden, you're hearing them um, with him. Uh, Zach Levine, you're hearing about him. You're hearing about all of these guys that the New York Knicks are checking in on. But like you were saying, XJ, it's not a buyer's market. I don't think the Knicks are waiting for it to become a buyer's market as much as they are looking for the right thing to spend their assets on. And a lot of people in the media are kind of leaning, saying, watch out for, for Giannis, watch out for Embiid. And those are guys that the Knicks will call and be like, hey, what do you want? And they'll say, we want this, this, and that. And they won't even argue. They're like, yeah, sure, no problem. Thank you. <laughs> nice doing business with you. So I don't think the New York Knicks are waiting necessarily for the market to, to change in their favor as much as they're waiting for the right guy to come on the market. So the Knicks have been aggressive, not aggressive again. They've been thorough, but not aggressive, which for some fans would be annoying. Um, I understand the logic behind it because some of those prices are kind of crazy. Um, but just to, I'm, I'm saying all this to, to say if the New York Knicks were to make a trade for a single star player, and I'll start with you, Sean, do you think that the New York Knicks are would be a title contender, or do you think they would still need to be some reshuffling of the um, of the boards before the Knicks can say we are here, we are contending to be one of the top four teams? And that's how I'm describing. I want to be clear. Um, I'm describing. Well, not describing. I'm defining a. A, top, um, a title contender as a top four team in the NBA, a team that makes it to a conference finals. Do you think that with a star trade, the New York Knicks could make it to a conference finals with the roster currently constructed? Or do you think that the New York Knicks would need to um, move one or two pieces before they can say, hey, we can make it to a conference finals? Uh, so, first of all, I've just, just got to warn you, um, when you say that... Uh, Quentin Grimes can't go in a deal, you know, people will start throwing that untouchable word uh, around again. And I just want, I'm letting you know right now, like you mentioned, there may be some people in your mentions about Quentin Grimes being untouchable in the star trade. I know what you meant, but just warning you. Um, second, to answer your question, we have to define star because there are stars and there are superstars. For example, Donovan Mitchell is a star. He is not a superstar. For me, a superstar 
is I am the best player on a championship team. A star is someone who is a number two or maybe a one B, right? So if the Knicks could acquire a superstar, they're a title contender. I tweeted in February. It was actually February 15th this year after we um, kicked the Hawks in the teeth in Atlanta right before the All-Star break. And I said, the New York Knicks are one player away. And someone said, like, oh, one and a half. I said, no, no, no. And I responded with the, uh, the Dr. Strange meme. I'm like, no, 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 no. One. One. Now, that one, there aren't a lot of those ones. But if you take that, if you take one, and I, to me, there's seven, that superstars here, there's seven guys, maybe eight. You put one of those guys on this team, we have, to your point, Mensa, all the talent, all the good players we have is a good problem to have. We could send out a gaggle of picks and swaps and some of our young guys and be a title contender. Now, if we trade for a star, and that's, you know, that's the next level, you know, good players, really good players, but not necessarily one number one guys. I don't know if they're see. It's just interesting to say title contender, because, for example, let's say Paul George. Let's say you just took Paul George and literally just dropped like, let's say you traded him for RJ straight up. Hypothetically, that team makes the conference finals. Are they winning the championship? I don't know. Probably lean towards no, but they're a conference final. I think that team can make the conference finals. So um, we're one player away. We're one like a superstar. And 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 for and I can hear people saying, like, you can add a, no, you can't add superstars to anything. If you put a superstar in Detroit, they're not title contenders, right? Um, it's or or I was gonna say that team. I'm not gonna say that team out loud. How about say, the teams that would eventually lose the superstar? <laughs> How about those teams who are losing their superstar <laughs> because they're not title contenders? Like I think you know, like I think it's pretty. I think that's pretty self evident. Yeah. So um, I think the Knicks are to your point. Standing pat is not they're waiting for the right opportunity, because as a wise man once said, at this point, there are more wrong moves than right moves. It's a good guy you're quoting. I, I, I'm not sure you're quoting, but I'm sure because that's there's so much wisdom in that statement that got to be a good guy you're quoting. Okay. He's very wise. <laughs> XJ, how do you feel about where the Knicks are as far as um, are they one or two stars away? Yeah, I, I so I largely agree with Sean. Um, I like that. I like that the 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 thing that the person told you, Sean, that one and a half. I kind of think I'm I'm on the one and a half end of it because boo. <laughs> um, and, and the reason I say that is because I don't think they need as much as you think that they need, which is interesting. Um, I don't think they need a superstar. I think they need a star, like a legitimate star. And they can also have one of the guys that they have on the roster ascend to being a star. So I think, I mean, that's probably like part two of this conversation. But so I, I, I don't think they need one and a half stars to bring one to bring one and a half stars in. But I think they need, you know, in aggregate, one and a half stars added to what they have currently constructed to become a real title contender. 
So to me, that level is around the Paul George level for a guy that they need to bring in to contend right now. So I, you know, I'm thinking a guy like Paul George makes them a, a title contender right away. A guy like Lowry Markinen makes them a title contender right away. Maybe wait, 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 wait. I know that's your boy. The Knicks are a title contender with Lowry Markinen. If they if the Knicks brought in, let's say the Knicks just swapped either Randall or RJ for Lowry Markinen, I think they're a title contender right now. Yeah, immediately. Like easy top, easy top three team in the in the East. I would bet on them to go to the conference finals. Yeah. 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 Okay. For sure. For sure. I feel very, very confident about that. I wish we could see it play out. They went to chess. <laughs> Lowry, Lowry's a better offensive player than Paul George is. So um, not as good defensively, but better offensively than Paul George. Um, so yeah, I think a guy like that, uh, Donovan Mitchell, maybe, I don't know. He's just small. So that, that makes it tough, but you know, adding that offensive injection into this team, um, I think could get them there. Uh, you know, I, Harden, I don't think so, but it, you know, it could, it, it could. I if, if we got a healthy Harden and if he had something left, and you know, the miles and 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 wear and tear via uh, you know extracurricular activities didn't didn't run him down too much, um, maybe like like a, a a semblance of prime Harden that could be enough to to take him to that tier. So I think it's like a guy like that and ascension from a guy on the roster the Knicks can be a legit title contender. So I don't think it needs to be superstar tier. I don't think it needs to be, we need a, a, a Jimmy Butler, a Luka Doncic, a, G, a Giannis, a, a Embiid. A, I don't think we need a guy like that to, to, to take to us to um, title contention. So I like what you guys are saying as far as um, like defining star absolutely matters here because it doesn't like, is it going to be, are we talking about a top 24 guy, which would be like an all-star at any given season? Or are we talking about a top 15 guy who could be like all NBA in any season? Or are we talking about a top seven guy, which is like an MVP candidate? Um, so I want to be um, clear. I, I fully believe that if the New York Knicks were to add another top 20 basketball player, that they would be a title contender. I think that they have two guys who are all NBA level performers in Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. I believe Jalen Brunson may never make an all NBA basketball team. Well, now with like it being positionless, there's a chance that he could do it. But we just watched this guy have a great regular season and then find another gear in the playoffs like that. You can't. Okay, look at the guys in Philly. Look at James Harden, who historically goes a level down, maybe even two levels down or three, depending on who you're asking um, or, and how much alcohol that person has in their system. Look at Joel Embiid, who scored 33 points a game in the right. And I'm using points per game very loosely here. I understand there's more to basketball than points per game. Um, Joel Embiid, 33 points per game on um, over 50% shooting from the field, 23 points per game in the playoffs, right? So, and yeah, there, there are different circumstances around every basketball player, but Watching Jalen Brunson go from like 23, 24 to 27 against two top 10 defenses in the NBA, that's not something that I expect to go away because Jalen Brunson is what I like to call um, bagsy. He has a very deep bag, and even if the defense knows what he's going to do, he's still going to find a way to do it because he is bagsy. Um, 
Julius Randle. He may not be the guy who gets you there in the playoffs, but regular season Julius Randle is scoring 57 points in Madison Square Garden and hitting game winners against the Miami Heat and averaging like 16 rebounds a game for the month of January, something stupid like that. Like Julius Randle is a very good basketball player and gets you to where you need to be. So if you're adding another top 20 guy, it makes it easier for your role players to play better in the playoffs because there's less pressure on them. They're getting more wide open shots. And it also allows you to, like if Julius Randle never defeats the playoff allegations, you have another top 20 guy there that can help you. So you're elevated in the New York Knicks with the current roster. And I'm taking into account, like say like it's RJ Barrett, Fournier and some picks, which is what, which is honestly, it's the dream package for a star player. If you're looking just like soberly, like analyzing what the New York Knicks do. And if you want to maximize their chances to win today, then RJ Barrett, Fournier and picks for a star player. That trade is not like if the Knicks make a star trade, it's going to be more than it's going to be like maybe RJ and quickly or RJ and Grimes. I hope not, but um, it's going to cost you a lot there. So if you're, but if you are adding another top 20 guy to this New York Knicks roster, then I do think that they would be a title contender because I fully, I bought everything that I saw post trade deadline. I bought what I saw from what Josh Hart adds to this team. I bought what Emmanuel quickly was doing. I bought um, J- Jalen Brunson. I think he's going to be better this year than he was last year. Cause he did get off to a little bit of a rocky start. The entire team got off to a rocky start. Um, I believe that Julius Randall was a old in the playoffs with that ankle injury. And I don't have, and that's not me being a Knicks apologist because one, if you know me, I am not a Julius Randle apologist, but he did just have ankle surgery, you know? So that's important to, to bring up. Um, I think Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein, I know Mitch isn't going anywhere. Hartenstein is under contract for one more year, but that's as, as sure um, a center's tandem that you have in the NBA um, short of having a superstar at center. Um, I'm just really, I'm really bullish on this New York Knicks roster, but um, thinking about what it would take in a trade as far as like, you're, you're going to have to give up two, I think, to get a star of RJ Barrett, Quentin Grimes, and Emmanuel quickly, which leads me to my next question. Do, um, and I'll start with you, XJ. Do you think that the New York Knicks have an internal star? Do you think Quentin Grimes could be a star in his role type player? Do you think RJ Barrett can um, build off of what he did in the, that eight game stretch over the playoffs and, you know, take it to the next level and be a guy that could be that third star, even like that second star, depending on um, how, how much he improves. Or do you believe that Emmanuel quickly is what the advanced metric says he is, which is a top five guard in the NBA under the age of 25? And do you think that he could be that third star player? Do you believe the Knicks have an internal improvement and may or may not need to make a star trade in order to get to the next level, not the title contending level, but the next level, whatever that is for you? Well, what a tee up Mensa. Like I, I feel like you threw the lob like right in my sweet spot, like right over the rim, I'm like, all I got to do is just flush this. This is perfect. I, I, this is like Halliburton, the uh, Obi stuff right now. Um, <laughs> I, I, so I, I talked about this a little bit on um, the Strick and Roll podcast with, with Schwinnie Poo like a couple weeks ago. Um, I believe that Manuel quickly is going to be a star. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be the kind of star that we're typically used to. 
I, I don't think he's going to be the kind of star that's like a straight offensive star who can dominate games on that end, like day in and day out, like a Harden or a, yeah, SGA or, or even a Brunson, to be honest. Like, I don't think he's going to reach the offensive level of any of those guys. Uh, but to be clear, I wouldn't rule it out. I don't put it past them. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. I just don't think it's likely. Um, but in spite of that, I believe he will become a star. And I think he's going to become a two-way star in the same way that a guy like Fred Van Vliet is a two-way star. Um, Fred Van Vliet, who you'll notice, just got $42 million a year across two years um, with a third for a team option and hasn't made an all-star team in his career by just being excellent on both ends, but never really being dominant on either end. Um, so obviously, you know, like you just mentioned, also Mensa, I love the best impact metrics. So just to look at quickly using only the best ones, I will just go through really quick. Quickly was a top 90th percentile player. So that's the top 10% of the NBA in LeBron, in EPM, in box plus minus, luck adjusted RAPM. Um, in Raptor and was also top 80th percentile in ESPN's real plus minus. In my opinion, these are the only impact metrics that really matter. Like I, I don't look at other events like quote unquote advanced metrics like win shares or PR or not even really box plus minus because they are objectively more inferior to the the metrics that I mentioned. So, but I just want to say when when I want people to understand how unlikely it is that you would see such a strikingly strong consensus among those best impact metrics, all of which have very strong descriptive value and some of which have very strong predictive value, that you would see the consensus across all of them and they all be wrong. Like that is so extremely unlikely. <laughs> like that it it they're, they're not wrong. Um they're not any more wrong than they are than they were when they were shouting at us that Jokic is the best player in the league by far. And it took people a long time to catch up to that and be like, oh, actually, three years later, oh, yeah, actually, he is. These are what these metrics are telling us. This, they are not making a mistake. They are consensus across the board. Quickly is 23 years old. I don't know if he's 24 yet, 23 or 24 years old, and is a top 10 percentile player in the NBA. Um, I think he absolutely has capital S star potential. If even if you put together his best offensive and best defensive season, um, he would already leap into the top 30 in the NBA if you did that. And he's only had three seasons. Um, I think he's going to put it all together. I think it to me, it's a sure bet that he's going to become a star. How how high, how great a star can he be? You know, that's that's an open question, but I think he is going to be a star. So um totally, I think quickly is the guy. Um Hopefully they do not trade him. Hopefully they re-sign him for a bargain deal, um, extend him for a bargain deal. But um, the last thing I want to say about it is just for people who think we have to trade quickly because he he can't play the two next to Brunson. If quickly ascends to that like Van Vliet category of star, you just make it work. You know, I'm sorry, you just make it work. Like it doesn't matter. You 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 don't move someone like that because they don't fit like perfectly or prototypically. Like, and if you if you are going to trade him. You wait until the league sees that he is at that star level before you ever move him. So to me, that's the guy that's going to ascend. I think it's going to happen either, either next year or the year after. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's what I think. So I, I think other guys in the roster definitely can um, make it to a star level. I think you know we can see it outside 
chance for a guy like Grimes, uh, kind of an outside chance for a guy like RJ with, with all the potential that those two guys have, I think quickly is like, it's going to happen. I, I feel very confidently about that. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I fully agree with you on the quickly stuff um, because I, like you, can um, read a data sheet. Um, and it tells me that Emmanuel quickly, good at basketball. Um, and for everybody who thinks that Emmanuel quickly can't play with Jalen Brunson, if you do, um, and I will do this live, actually, let's go clean. Actually, no, I'm not going to do it live. I did it already. Emmanuel quickly and Jalen Brunson together on the court played a good amount of possessions. I don't remember exactly how many, but they were in the 98th percentile. Like they were their their net rating is a 98th percentile net rating. I think that they can share the court together. Um, Sean, um, how about you? Do you think the New York Knicks have a decent enough internal bet for a one of their three guys? Because it's really only three guys we're talking about. Unless you're like super like big on Trevor Keels and Deuce McBride, I'm not seeing that coming. <laughs> um, do you think that one of RJ Quentin Grimes or um Emmanuel Quickly couldn't be um a a star as far as like a top 40-ish guy or a top 24, however high you, I don't want to put any limits on you, but do you think one of those three guys can become a star? Poor Trevor Keels. Um, and Jericho not, Sims. But not having, poor Jericho, uh, poor Jericho, but poor, poor Trevor Keels because his like, experience in Vegas hasn't necessarily been the, uh, the best. Um, Sad. Uh, so I agree with you that there are three players that have star potential on this team. Uh, Ron Alexander Barrett Jr., Emmanuel Jalen Quickly, and Quentin Tavorius Grimes. I just made up his middle name. I don't know if that's... I was name. about to say... <laughs> <laughs> Quentin uh, Devontae Grimes. Got it. <laughs> I'm actually going to look up his name, middle name right now. But those are the three. I think... Emmanuel has the oh Quentin Marshall Grimes. Okay, um, I think Emmanuel quickly has the most the the he has the the best role to accomplishing it here. I actually think Grimes could be a star, but the way our roster is constructed. Like he, the way our roster is constructed, he's not going to get the usage. That's what it is. Um, the role he's in, as long as he's a starting shooter, if as long as he's a starting shooting guard, he's not going to get the usage. If he comes with the bench, he does the, then he can. Um, but then again, he's not really a star. He's like, well, he's an, he's a six man star or whatever, what have you. Right. Um, and then Rowan, I mean, we know what, we know what he has to do to get there. It's just because usage ain't a really problem for him, but is, it, will is he, he going to get it? there? Will he right. do it? Will Can he, he do will it? He will make he make the adjustments? Yeah. You know, like, and the playoffs is, if you're RJ fan, the playoffs should be encouraging and should, it should also like piss you off because you saw him like, it's almost like after game two, it's like, all right, I'm just going to do this now. And he was good at it. It's like, where was this? But quickly has the, quickly, everything XJ said is spot on. Um, Listen, I will tell my grandchildren and if I get to see my great grandchildren about the time that Emmanuel quickly uh, lost the NBA six man of the year award when he was skipping around the TD Jake Center and in Boston to the point that they said, no, 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 we can't have this. And they went to work and did their thing. Um, so, yes, they have star potential. Three players have star potential. One player 
Emmanuel quickly has the most opportunity to achieve that star potential on this team. Uh, I would say second is RJ because he has the uses. He starts, he gets time. Um, to your point, especially Mensa, if he's um if he's gonna be the backup four, so he'll be running the bench unit, he'll be manning the you know, running with the bench units there. I I, I was actually writing it down like a iHeart RJ Josh Hart DDV IQ bench unit, uh second unit. It's pretty interesting. Hashtag spacing. Um and then Grimes just because, but he has the least likely, but not necessarily because of his ability, but because again of the role that he's in on this team. Yeah, I think that's, um, I just want to lean in because yeah, quickly is the guy that again is the, the, the best bet that he could be a star on this roster. Um, but I did some looking into, I was spent a little time on cleaning the glass yesterday and I know the on off numbers for RJ Barrett are pretty damning, but just to, for, for my RJ stands out there, when I looked into the on off numbers for RJ Barrett, a lot of, not a lot of, but his most frequently used lineups were like, um, RJ Barrett. Um, I think like Evan Fournier was, was on the court with him or like RJ Barrett and, um, Cam Reddish were sharing the court. R.J. Barrett and Deuce McBride were sharing the court. So he spent a lot of his, a, a lot, not a lot, but a good amount of his most frequently used lineups were with guys who were not NBA rotation players, if we're being honest. Emmanuel, not Emmanuel, quickly. Deuce McBride, not quite a rotation player yet. Defensively, he's there. Offensively, he's not. Uh, Cam Reddish, we know how that story goes. We don't have to rehash it. Evan Fournier, we know where that. We know how that story went. We don't have to rehash it. So when you filter out like those bad basketball players, you start to see positive lineups with R.J. Barrett. And with where this um, roster um, construction has gone, even Obi Toppin, like Obi Toppin, not, not going to be sharing the core with R.J. Barrett anymore. I don't think it's a bad thing that he was sharing the core with R.J. Barrett because he is a great sh- three-point shooter and putting that spacing, that catch-and-shoot threat that Obi Toppin was next to R.J. Barrett is beneficial. but. RJ Barrett is likely to share the court with at least two shooters at all times. Brunson is a shooter. Grimes is a shooter. Quickly is a shooter. Hasn't been the shooter that he's projected to be coming out of college, but I mean, I'm still comfortable making the bet that he becomes at least an above average three point shooter. Dante DiVincenzo is a shooter, you know? So I think that we're going to see a better RJ Barrett in year five. Um, but my last thing on this is. I have a bit of advice for one um, Quentin Marshall Grimes. Do not get hurt to start the season. If you get hurt to start the season and the New York Knicks um, find Jesus and start Emmanuel quickly in your steed, you may not get your job back, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I am I'm very high on Emmanuel quickly as a star and I feel like in a contract year, if he gets, because I'm not sure the New York Knicks are going to extend him, um, but if he gets in a contract year, game one, because Quinn Grimes has was not healthy last year to start. I'm, I could be mistaken, but I'm not sure if he was too healthy to start his rookie season. Um, if Emmanuel quickly gets the starting nod, it may it may be curtains for Quentin Grimes as a New York Nick. Uh, Sean, you had a question. So it's interesting that you say if Grimes were to get hurt, 
that quick that quickly will get the start spot spot. My question would be, let's say, hopefully not again, but Quentin Grimes is hurt to start the season. Are we sure quickly is the automatic starter? There I think that's that's a good guy that he but that's what that's such a good point. <laughs> that but made, that was the caveat. That's why I said <laughs> the Knicks find Jesus and start him because if if the Knicks let if the Knicks leave Tibbs up to his devices, we know number three, Josh Hart, will be the guy who's starting a shooting guard because that's what we just saw in the playoffs. But if the New York Knicks decide, hey, we like Josh Hart and DiVincenzo together off the bench, we like what we're seeing on that unit. We like what um. Uh, DiVincenzo gives us as a playmaker in tandem with Josh Hart. They can keep them together as opposed to moving Josh Hart up and keeping quick with DiVincenzo because it's not necessarily a bad fit, but I think the chemistry will be better if you keep guys like um, DiVincenzo and Hart together. We haven't seen this is all hypothetical, obviously, but if the New York Knicks decide to say, hey, quick, we're going to start you. Um, if the and leaning into the data, I should say, because again, Emmanuel quickly Jalen Brunson lineups, 98th percentile in the NBA. Hello, let's let do let's do that. Those are good things. So um, yeah, no, so I just think that if Quentin Grimes does not because I could see if I could very easily see a situation where Quentin Grimes tweaks his ankle in training camp and Emmanuel quickly comes out like gangbusters as a start of the first like five, four or five, six games. Quentin Grimes, you can't put him in the starting lineup anymore because Emmanuel quickly has played so well and the Knicks got off to a hot start. And now you're looking like, hey, maybe we're not as resistant to adding Quentin Grimes to a trade package. And maybe if we call Team X with a package of RJ Barrett, who has lived in trade rumors the past two years, uh, Quentin Grimes and a couple picks. Now, maybe you got quick you got um brunson you got randall you got um mitch and star player x at the three you know i don't know who this guy could be i don't know if it's if it's a guy at the three but if the new york knicks decide hey we have a real star here the numbers weren't lying to us let's play him next to um jalen brunson the, the way that the 2019 raptors played lowry and van vliet together in the as a starting backcourt, and I understand that um, Brunson is not the defender that um, Prime Kyle Lowry was, but it worked, and they were short. That's the point. Same thing with um, Damon McCollum worked, and they were short. It didn't get them. Damon McCollum didn't go as far as um, Lowry and Van Vliet did, but that that was probably more to do with one um, Kawhi Leonard than anything else. So. Yeah, I think that the Knicks, again, I think the Knicks are a star player away. And if we are so serendipitous enough that a guy like Emmanuel quickly gets a larger role in this team, look out. The New York Knicks are coming. By the way, I wasn't talking about Josh Hart. I was talking about his other teammate. Ah, D- ah good point. Good point. Because I don't I think, think Devin not a starter. I don't think so. Well, well, I am old enough to remember the last time Josh Hart was a starter for this team and a team that was playing him said, oh, you're by the three-point line. We're going to sit in and eat a turkey sandwich over here below the paint, below foul line extended, because you're not going to shoot. So <laughs> that's you why I said... trust your coach to remember that? <laughs> Do you trust that is, that is, to remember that, that, that set of data? That is fair. But either way, I think you're saying the same thing, like to your point about finding Jesus, that if if Grimes, for whatever reason, gets hurt. It's not. It's not fate. It's not necessarily fate accompli. The IQ will get that starting spot. But I digress. 
all fair points, all fair points. Um, before I dive into um, our next quick segment, um, XJ, do you have anything you want to add on this topic? No, I, I, I think you both said everything um, excellently. I mean, I don't disagree with any of it. I, I think Sean just made a great point with the idea that, <laughs> you know, if anything were to happen to, to Quinn Grimes, <laughs> I, I kind of think I would bet my money on DiVincenzo starting, unfortunately. like Really? You take DiVincenzo over Hart? It's because of the shooting. I think because of the shooting and I think Tibbs is going to find a way to, 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 to make to make that make sense to him. So I, 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 that would be my concern. And I do think at the same time, if quickly is not extended this off season, if quickly is going into uh, a contract season and <laughs> gets out. an opportunity to, <laughs> <laughs> to play big minutes other than a starting capacity. Um, I think quickly he's going to force uh, our hand into the max, honestly, is, is what I think. So I, I think that would be great for the next, next year may not be great for the next long term <laughs> for, for their cap sheet. <laughs> Jeremy's going to pull his hair out if that's the case. Look, if Emmanuel quickly, in this hypothetical situation, uh, gets the starting nod and never gives it back and forces the New York Knicks to pay him a max contract, I will not be angry. <laughs> I will not be angry at all because that means that Emmanuel quickly took his game to another level offensively and kept the defense where it needed to be. And you're talking about a guy that by EPM would likely rank an 85th percentile, both on offense and defense. And those guys don't grow on trees at all. So I would not be angry about that. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. With all this, um, Emmanuel quickly eventually starting, um, that's like all the talk about where the Knicks could end up, I guess, as a regular season team because we'd be like, we can talk about the playoffs. Let's get there first. Um, the Knicks having all this rotation talent, what the Knicks did in the off season so far has led the odds makers at Vegas to come out with an early line for the New York Knicks. They are setting the line at 45 and a half wins. This is going to be our, you can say our last, or you can say our first um, betting, either our last betting and swag, sweating um, segment of the the 2022-2023 offseason or the first for the uh, 2023-24 season coming up. I'll start with you, XJ. Are you taking the over or the under on 45 and a half wins for the 23-24 Knicks? Yeah, I think, I think, 
I am I think 45 and a half is is pretty low so I'm going to take the over. I'm not going to even add a lot of drama to it. Um but at the same time I know why. I feel like I know why they're going to the 45 and a half. I, and to be honest, I'm not like I don't think the Knicks are going to win like 50 games next year necessarily. Um because I think it depends on a few things like I do think the Knicks overachieved last year given how poor their offensive efficiency was. Um, and a l- very large overachievement, in my opinion, by fake Julius offense, Randall. fake offense, <laughs> his rat fake offense. <laughs> Been saying it for a, <laughs> for a long time. I would say you called that out. People <laughs> yell at you. And then it was like, yeah, <laughs> now that's the common, uh, <laughs> that's a common phrase these days. But, um, but yeah, so I, 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 I do think that they overachieved given that poor offensive efficiency. I don't know how rec- replicable, it is to 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 rely on the offensive rebounds now that everyone knows is coming. Um, you know, I I do buy some sustainability to Randall's performance. I don't know is he truly a top twenty ish offensive player in the game, and he's going to replicate that again for across seventy seven to eighty games next year. Like, I don't I don't know. I I, I can't fully buy into that. Um, and, you know, and I do think. I think Brunson does have room to be a little better on offense, but it's going to be hard for me to imagine that he's going to do that for more than 65 games. I think he's going to miss, he's going to miss time. Um, so overall, how I summarize it is, you know, I think we see improvement from Grimes. I think we see improvement from RJ, um, Hartenstein, Deuce, who won't really be in the rotation. So it doesn't really matter as much. I think we'll see a slight step back from Randall. I think we're going to see a slight step back from Josh Hart. I think he 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 shot way better than he's going to this year. I think we might see a slight step back from Mitch. I don't know if he's going to be the offensive rebounding monster that we saw last year. Um, and a slight step back from DiVincenzo relative to what he was last year with the Warriors. Uh, and I think, you know, honestly, depending on how things shake out, um, I think we'll see around a similar performance from both Brunson and quickly. That's kind of what I'm anticipating. So all of that said, um, you know, I think they'll be around 48 to 50 wins. I think that's kind of where I'm looking at for them. So, but I, I'm taking it over. I think that that's an easy over. We could always count on next day for the data and the data is what it is. I do. I buy into uh, what you're selling with the regression. It When you look at like player by player, who's likely to um, progress or regress, there's a, there's a lot of, um, not likely, but prop, not even probable, but possible regression candidates on the roster where it's like you don't even have to like do too much mental gymnastics to see these guys regressing. So, um, Sean, how about you? 45 and a half wins over or under my friend. I'm tempted to take the over, um, but I am going to be analytical and figure out, okay, why would this go over and why would this go under? So. Why would this go over? It would go over because the Knicks won't start 10 and 13 again because they won't be depending on um they won't be depending on Evan Fournier in the starting lineup. They won't be depending on iHeart, who had a sore Achilles to start the year at the center position and really struggled. Cam Reddish will be nowhere to be found. Um we have more spacing coming off the bench. 
So while I, to your point about, we're not going to go full in on Hawks and say, whoa, they did this over this stretch. So it was just extrapolated forever. I think there are things that happened last year with Grimes being out, Mitch missing time in the beginning, Fournier in the starting lineup. Um, and Tibbs trying to trying to squeeze this, trying to get this ten man rotation off. Those won't exist. So if they don't play sub five hundred ball for the first quarter of the season, they should win. They should win 45, 48 games. I think this team's a very good regular season team. I know that's a curse word for some people because the only only the playoffs matter. Nothing ever else is bullshit. Yes, ultimately the playoffs is what matters the most, but this is I think is a good regular season team. I mean, now then you say, well, why wouldn't they hit the over? And you can say things like, all right, and I don't know how much I believe any of this stuff, but whatever. Um Teams have Jalen Brunson scouted now, and now they're going to be able to because you know they haven't watched, they didn't watch any tape on him. But now this offseason, they will figure out how to shut him down. But maybe he takes a step back. Uh, this is an even number year for Julius Randle, so maybe he goes. <laughs> so maybe Julius stinks again. I don't think he will stink, but maybe he takes a step back. Maybe RJ. Just doubles down to last year. Um, like, so maybe DiVincenzo, to your point, it's a lot harder to shoot threes when you don't have four feet of space all the time. So, or, and I think the most logical explanation is that we get a key injury to somebody that puts them out for an extended period of time, whether it's JB or Randall or Mitch, um, you know, even Hart, because Hart is the glue of the second unit. So, listen, I would like to think that the Knicks, and particularly the coaching staff, particularly the head coach, and some of the players learned some of their lessons from last year. And we do not come out to a – we don't have a slow start because if this team has a slow start again this year, I don't know how patient the chairman of the Madison Square Garden Company is going to be again. So, I, with that being said, listen. After the after the we here season where we went forty one and thirty one, which extrapolated out to uh, which was a forty seven win forty seven forty eight win pace. I think their over under was. I think their over under that year was like forty one and a half, and clearly they went under. They won thirty seven games, but then I remember. I remembered all the stuff that, and the reason why I was confident over the over last year, because the over last year was 39 and a half. I said, all the stuff that went wrong last year went wrong. That year went wrong, and they still won 37 games. You tell me they can't find three more wins. So now you're telling me, yes, will will Josh Hart shoot, have flames coming out of his rear end from three? No. But this team is. And again, it's a curse word to some. This team is built for the regular season. If they have their injury luck and they play their style of basketball and they do the things that they're good at, they will beat regular season teams. They will outplay regular season teams every night and they'll and they should win 45 games. So I will lean towards the over. 
I, I just want to jump in real quick because I just got scared. I just scared myself because I just, uh, after you, we've talked about a couple of times with DiVincenzo shooting uh, with four feet of space. <laughs> According to NBA.com, uh, DiVincenzo shot 94% of his threes with four feet of space or more. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Only 6% you of his threes. First. <laughs> you heard it here first on Nick's Film School. Dante G. Vincenzo, fraud. You heard <laughs> it here first. Fake. <laughs> as fake as the New York Knicks offense. Yes. So Match made I, yeah, in heaven. I just had to interject with that because I did not realize it was that aggressive. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, with, with that um, troubling interlude, <laughs> I'm going to give you guys my pick. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to take that line, right? 45 and a half. You're going to print it out. You're going to put it on a table and you're going to WWE style. Dudley boy, slam that thing through the table. Smash the over. The New York Knicks, one thing about them that'll keep them, in my opinion, from having a slow start is unlike any of the other Thibodeau years, the New York Knicks know exactly who they are and they know how they're going to beat you and they know who they're going to beat you with. The New York Knicks are not going to be playing hot potato between Kemba Walker and Julius Randle again. The New York Knicks are not going to be relying on Evan Fournier, who's trying to like shoot off balance three pointers. The Knicks are not, are not going to be relying on RJ Barrett to take a step forward because they have two guys who are offensive fulcrums in the regular season. The New York Knicks know funnel everything to Mitch. Mitch is going to make things go away. The New York Knicks know we can miss shots because we have one of at worst the three best offensive rebounders in basketball. The New York Knicks know who they are and they know who is going to play for them and who is not going to play for them. That is an advantage year over year over a lot of teams. We don't know if Boston knows who they are yet. We do not know if the Philadelphia 76ers know who they are yet. We know that the Cleveland Cavaliers know who they are because that team just added shooters to what they were. We do not know if the Miami Heat are going to have are, are going to get off to a slow start because they had they just added Dame Lillard and listen I'm not saying that the, the Heat are going to be bad if they add Dame Lillard I'm just saying that if you look at history you have seen teams get off to slow starts when they have a new guy on the roster we don't know how Milwaukee is going to regress we don't know a lot of teams you can you can point to and, and there's uncertainty around who they are. The Knicks, you know exactly what the Knicks are going to do night in and night out. The New York Knicks were a 47 win team last year. I expect the New York Knicks to win at least 51. And in the spirit of my brother, Robert Cross, I am going with the 53 oh, wins. Let's go. Boy. 53 wins for the New York Knicks in the regular season this time. They won't need the postseason to do it. The New York Knicks, 53 and 29 as currently constructed. Let's go. And with that further, with that said, I'll let you guys get in. Any final words? Sean, I'll start with you. When Robert W. Cross hears this, he's going to send you a text asking you to go to NBA.com and pick out whichever jersey you want and he'll ship it to your house because that's how much he, <laughs> that's, how, that's how much he will be overjoyed. Now my camera's out of focus because I messed up. Oh man, it's all right. I'll fix it. But yeah, 
I, I listen. If this team wins fifty games, that's amazing. Yeah, I I, I can't really follow that Mensa. So I, wait, that, you, you gave <laughs> don't me a worry. great setup last time, and then you trashed me this time. <laughs> don't worry, guys. That's what I'm here for. I gotta bring the heat. It is what is the last Casual Friday episode of the 2023 season, giving our off-season predictions, and we got to be our most authentic selves. And I got to bring the heat. Sean, you got to bring the wisdom, the level-headedness. XJ, you got to bring the data. But if we ended Casual Friday without a vintage Mensa hot take, I would be damned. And I won't be damned. Because the takes are hot (laughs) and we are ready. So signing off for the 2022-2023 regular season and offseason, I am Mensa. That is Sean with the W and we have XJ as well. You can follow us. Our names are are on the screen. They will also be in the YouTube link and I believe in the Spotify link or the Apple link or however you get your podcast. If you get your podcast by Carrier Pigeon, that Carrier Pigeon will also have our Twitter links. You can follow each and every one of us. But if you really want to do this channel a favor, like and subscribe, leave a review on whatever um, platform you listen to um, podcasts on. If that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever one you listen to, please help your boys out and tell everybody about how great the casual crew is and how the Knicks Film School crew is. So once again, signing off. I am Mensa. We have Sean. We have XJ. We are the casuals. See you guys next season.